We are in Genesis chapter 30, and we're going to start with verse 25, and the passage is a little long, but the story is not. We're going to go down through chapter 31, verse 12 today, which is going to put us right in the middle of a dialogue of Jacob explaining what God said to him in a dream, but that's okay. I said it's okay, so I guess it is. So next week... We'll, we'll back up a little bit and get a running start into that, but there are some facts in that, <clears throat> some details of Joseph's explanation of a dream that I think will help us put this passage in perspective. Last time, we saw the sons of Jacob being born out of a, a competitive situation between his two wives, Rebecca and Leah. Total, we saw 11 sons born, uh, and it's during the time that Jacob is serving Laban. Uh, in addition, there was a daughter named Dinah. There may have been other daughters. Other daughters are mentioned elsewhere in the scripture, but not by name. <clears throat> but Leah herself bore six sons to Jacob. Rebekah bore one, Joseph. Zilpah bore two, which was Leah's handmaiden, and Bilhah uh, was Rebecca's servant girl handmaiden, and she bore two as well. And so the, both women were touting the uh, success of birthing children for Jacob uh, and sons in particular. And so that, that's kind of the, the gist, if you will, of what we talked about last time. So today, I want to read Genesis 30, verse 12, through 31, 12. I think I've got something wrong there. 30, 25, that works better. 30, 25, through 31, 12. And um, I know that might be a long passage, so whoever's reading wants to stop, somebody else can pick it up where you leave off. So beginning in 3012, who can start us out? Alan, are you there? Did you say 30? 12. 12 or 25? 25. Let's get it right. Thank you. Okay. I, I don't have it right, so maybe between you all, you can get it right. Uh, 3025, thank you. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Levin, Send me away, that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children, for whom I have served you, that I may go, for you know the service that I have given you. But Levin said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and I will give it. Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I have served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little doubt before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turn. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you, Jacob? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything if you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb, and spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs if found with me shall be counted stolen. Levin said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in the charge of his sons. And he set a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob pastured the rest of Levin's flock. Then Jacob took fresh sticks of poplar and almond and plain trees and peeled white streaks in them, exposing the white of the sticks. He set the sticks 
that he had peeled in front of the flocks in the, in the troughs, that is the watering places, where the flocks came to drink. And since they bred when they came to drink, the flocks bred in front of the sticks, and so the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and, the, and set the faces of the flocks toward the stripes and all the black in front of Leban, in front, in front of the flock of Leban. He put his own droves apart and did not put them with Leban's flock. Whenever the stronger the flock were breeding, Jacob would lay the sticks in the troughs before the eyes of the flock that they may breed among the sticks. But for the feebler of the flock, he would not lay them there. So the feebler would be Leban's, and the stronger would be Jacob's. Thus the man increasing increased greatly, and the large flocks, female servants, and male servants, and camels, and donkeys. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Leban were set. What, what the sons of Leban were now Jacob heard that the sons of Leban were saying, Jacob has taken all that our, was our father's, and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. And Jacob saw that Leban did not regard him with favor as before. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers and to, all, and to your kindred, and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was, and said to them, I see that the Father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I have served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, The spotted lamb shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, The stripe shall be your wages, then all the flock bore stripe. Thus God had taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. In the breeding season of the flock, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream that the goats that mated with the flock were striped, spotted, and mottled. Then the angel of God said, to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, Here I am. And he said, Lift up your eyes and see the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and malted. For I have seen all that Leban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made it bow with, to me. Now arise and go out from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Let's go ahead and stop there. I know that's in the middle, but we're going to pick that whole piece up next week. There was just one, one or two details right there I wanted to get. So <clears throat> for me as a teacher, this is one of those challenging passages to work through because what's really going on here um, and a whole lot of things, and we'll get into that. So let's just start out and, and work our way through this, and I think it'll all, it'll all come out as best we can find it. So when we start out with verse 25, we see that Jacob has completed his 14 years of working as part of the agreement, the bride price, if you will, for Ray, uh, Leah and Rachel. And so that is over, and uh, Rachel has born Joseph, and so Jacob goes to Laban and says, hey, send me away, which is the nice way, the, the proper way uh, when you're a guest in a home in this era for a time like that. Uh, you don't just, there is a relationship there and it's honoring to say, send me away. And Jacob says that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Um, remember what he left. Now, he didn't leave on the best of terms, did he? He had a brother that was living day by day with the thought of, I'm not going to be happy till I kill Jacob. That's how Esau was living his life. Uh, there was deception toward Isaac, uh, but he left Isaac as a very prosperous man. And Jacob, because of his treachery in one hand, that's how it was done, 
but also by God's decision on the other that he said in Romans 9, Jacob, I loved Esau, I hated. Not because of anything they did or would do. So Jacob is chosen to be by God the heir of the promise. And that promise includes a land promise, right? Isaac um, and before him, Abraham were both given promises of a great expanse of land in the Canaanite area. And so he does have a land that he left. He has a promise that he left. And he's saying, it's time for me to go back to that. And he also points out to, to Laban that uh, it's his own country and his own place. In other words, here is Jacob living with Laban, but it's Laban's ground. It's Laban's place. And he has worked as a servant for Laban. And in verse 26, he says, Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, and let me depart, um, <clears throat> for you yourself know my service that I have rendered to you. In other words, Laban, you know, I've kept my bargain. It's time. The price has been paid that we agreed to. And uh, moving on is the order of the day. Now, Laban has a different idea in verse 27. Laban has a response. And what did Laban say to Jacob? What are the things you noted in that verse about Jacob's presence with Laban? What does Laban want to have happen? Is he ready for Joseph to go? I'm sorry. Is he ready for Jacob to go? No. Nope. Why not? Because he's making him rich. Yeah. Jacob is uh, providing great service to Laban in such a manner that Laban is becoming wealthy. And so he says, stay with me. And he makes a conclusion about Jacob's presence there. And what does he say about the Lord there? So Jacob, I'm sorry, <laughs> hope I don't do that all morning. So Laban looks at Jacob in the situation and says, the Lord has blessed me because of your presence. Now what method did he use to figure that out? What is divination? But he got a got a answer to that. It should, because that's what it is. Spirits of the dead. Yeah, there's there's multiple applications of that divination, um, and you see them today. You don't see this one as much out in the public's eye, but if we rolled the clock back, I don't know, ten or fifteen years. You would hear the term channeling. You know what they meant by that? Anybody know? Well, it's it's wanting it's it's trying to have a relationship with a dead spirit, dead a dead person's spirit. Probably the right way of saying that, where you're letting them live out the way they lived through you. So if you're channeling Howard Hughes, I'm making pulling this out of the air. You'd be fairly ruthless, fairly insightful, and really good at making great monetary deals for yourself. Okay? I mean, so if you were, that's, that's kind of what one of them is channeling. Another one that's still out there, although you don't see it as much, I used to see ads on TV all the time just make me angry. Good reason not to watch TV. But uh, uh, fortune tellers, you know, call me up. She told me everything was going to happen to me. Okay, and, and were these things really spiritual or not? Who knows? Who cares would be where I would go. Um, I mean, we have an incident in the New Testament where there's a young woman filled with a spirit, filled with a demon that's telling people's fortunes. And out comes a spirit through um, the command of an apostle, and the next thing you know, I believe it was one of the apostles. I haven't looked at that story for a long time. But the next thing you know, the people that, quote, owned the girl are really upset because they're not making any money anymore. This person is no longer telling. 
telling the future. So can some of these things turn out to be something that is of the spirit world? I suppose. But <clears throat> a soothsayer would be another name, a false prophet in the various battles in the Old Testament. They would want a prophet to come in and tell them they were going to win, and if you didn't like the answer, you just get a different prophet, that kind of a thing. So we don't know exactly what Laban did, but the fact that the scriptures call it divination, this is not, this is not the sign of an upright spiritual man in the eyes of God. This is somebody who's hoping that in the enemies of God in the spirit world, they're going to help him know truth, and he goes to them to find out, it's at least a part of his conclusion, that God is with Jacob. Um, and so uh, we have Jacob ready to go, and I want to look at a couple of realizations that even though he came to the right conclusion, he got it in the wrong way, Let's look at Genesis 28, 3, and 4. And I've got another passage right there in Genesis 28, but let's look at 3 and 4 first. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessings of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojourning that God gave to Abram. What's the context here? These words are spoken by who? Isaac. Isaac. Under what condition? Blessing. This is the firstborn blessing, and with it, Isaac is transferring to him the Abrahamic covenant blessing of being a nation, being a group of people, being a people of many, having land, and be, be blessed in every way. And so that is occurring in Jacob's life, even over under Laban's charge. And that's what Laban's seeing. Skip down and read verses 13 through 17. Somebody read that for us. 28, 13 through 17. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will also be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Okay, so what's the context of this, this set of words that is said to uh, Jacob? Where is Jacob? He's, he's, Jacob is having a dream, and where is he at? Well, he's, he's en route. He, he's, left, he's left the home, and he's en route and going to wind up before long in Haran and meet his Rachel bride-to-be, and, and those things are going to transpire. And so this is a... Who is speaking in that passage? In Jacob's dream, who is talking to Jacob? God, God is. So we see the blessing again. Now I've got to back up and ask for your grace because I made the right notes but didn't say the right thing. The first passage was the blessing of... Isaac on eight, on Jacob's departing for the for the trip. Now let's go read the blessing that came out of the deception. Genesis 27, 28, and 29. Let's read that. Genesis 27, 28, and 29. May God give you the dew of heaven 
and of the fatness of the earth, and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you in nations, bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be everyone who blesses you. Okay, <clears throat> so this is a portion of the blessing that Isaac made out of the deception, to the, and this is the blessing to the firstborn, and uh, he is uh, sending this on to Isaac as a or on to Jacob as a part of uh, God's blessing from Abraham passed on down. So Laban recognizes that there is more to Jacob than him being a good tender of the flocks, that he's got God's eye upon him and God is blessing him. And because Jacob is working for Laban, he's blessing Laban. So Laban makes an offer in verse 30. I'm sorry, verse 28. Uh, he's, so Laban continues to speak and says, Name your wages and I will give it. What price is too high for Laban to pay for Jacob's continued presence, tending his flock and growing his, his wealth? Um, but Jacob has a response. And Jacob says, You yourself know how I have served you and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came. It has increased to a multitude. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? So Jacob's point is, I've been serving you for wages, which turns out to be sustenance, his living, and his families, because his, his two brides came from Laban's household. But he said, it's time for me to grow my own place in the world, so to speak, my own my, my own inheritance for my own family to come down. And so Laban has a response in verse 31. What shall I give you? What do you want? And Jacob said, you shall, and you shall not give me anything if you will do this one for, thing for me. He's got one request, and it's not an outright gift. Uh, if you will, uh, and I will again pasture Keep again pasture and keep your flock. And here's what Jacob wants to do. Let me pass through your entire flock today, taking everyone who is speckled and spotted in the sheep and every black one among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. And he says, and, and this is a good plan, Jacob says, because then it's going to be easy to divide them up. Um, I am not, I don't have the background of spending time with the cattle and, and all of the management of it. Did I help my grandparents who raised cattle and so on? Yes. Did my dad do it some? Yes. But <clears throat> I have a little bit of experience. Um, often it usually involves with looking for the cattle that got out um, or trying to get them back in and they'll go anywhere but where they came from. But <clears throat> nonetheless, unless things are right, then sometimes they're ready to go back. But, but nonetheless, how do you keep track of whose is whose? Brands, ear tags, and all kinds of things. Um, and it's a real hassle if you get them all in one spot sometimes to get them sorted back out. But Jacob said, this is a good way to do it because then I can have the, the ones that are less than perfect. I mean, he's asking for the ones that if you were making a sacrifice, God would say, uh-uh. You know, they, they can't be miscolored. They can't be spotted and speckled and all of those things. You've got to be perfect. And he says, I'll take those. You would be real easy to tell if I'm trying to cheat you because if I've got an a all-white lamb over there, that's not mine. It should have been yours. And so in verse 33, he says, So my honesty will answer for me later when you come concerning my wages. For everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if it's found with me, it will be considered stolen. So he's got a clear line of demarcation that he is asking for. And Laban said, good, let it be according to your word. And let's go ahead and look at what happened. Then we're going to go back and talk about this a little bit because there's a couple of different things that we need to recognize. So Laban on that day, you know, Jacob said, let me do this, right? So we already can see that things are running a little bit competitively 
trying to one-up each other a bit. So Laban removed on that day the striped and spotted male goats and all the speckled and the spotted field male goats and every one white in it and all the black ones among the sheep. He gave them to the care of his sons. And he put a distance of three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fled the rest of Laban's flock. So the, the flock that, that Jacob is entrusted with is a, is a flock that has had all of the miscolored ones separated out. Now, here's where we get into opinions. And... I, before I give you some of the opinions out there, I just want to ask you up front. So when those were separated out that day, were those supposed to be Jacob's or Laban's? We had all the ones that were existing in the herd that had, were miscolored. Supposed to, supposed to be Jacob's. I can find for you a number of commentaries that said, no, Jacob was only bargaining for those that would be born after this time. And to be honest with you, I can't figure out I, had, I saw nothing in their write-ups. Most of the com commentators would just make that statement and go on and not explain why they thought that was true. Um, the one piece of evidence is Jacob doesn't say anything about it. It looks like Jacob just accepts this, whether it was intended to be part of the deal or not, and Jacob just accepts this separation. Um, it is possible that Jacob thought, well, they're keeping those from me. This is just Laban's way of seeing that the new offspring don't come out speckled and spotted in the ones I'm caring for because he removed the ones that visually had those characteristics uh, in, their, in their breeding. Regardless, this is how it works out. Whether it was whether Laban was trying to cheat Jacob here, whether this is the way the, the agreement was intended to be, but it just doesn't come out clearly to us as we read it in the scriptures, I don't know. But this is how it works out. Three days away are all the ones that were speckled and spotted in the flocks, in the herds, when Jacob made the agreement with Laban. And his sons have those, who we already know from the passage, the sons thinks Jacob's been dealt with too um, um, richly. They've been given too much, uh, been too generous on the part of Laban toward, toward Jacob. And so there's this three days difference, and all of the miscolored ones are gone, and Jacob is left tending the flocks of Laban without any miscolored animals. And then we get into the other thing that's a little fun to talk about. Then Jacob took fresh rods of poplar and almond and plane trees, there in verse 37, peeled white strips in them, exposing the white which was in the rods. And he set the rods which he had peeled in front of the flocks, in the gutters, even in the watering troughs, when they came to drink, and they mated when they came to drink. So the flocks mated by the rods, and the flocks brought forth striped, speckled, and spotted. Okay, now... When I was growing up, going to Bible school and everywhere else, what was the explanation of why the flocks came out spot, spotted and speckled and striped? You know? I mean, I asked you what it was when I was a kid. What was it when you were a kid? When you've heard this story in the past? Well, because of the sticks, but what about the sticks? Well... Go ahead. It encouraged them to breed. Well, okay, so there's a number of things going on here, um, potentially. I was always taught, well, visually these animals were seeing the stripes, so when they had their offspring, they gave forth striped and spotted offspring. Well, um, that doesn't fit in very well with most genetic kinds of things. Um, and so what's the pur if that's not the situation, what's the purpose of these rods? And some would say, by the way, let me go over and put this a little bit more into modern times. Um, today in our world, 
uh, we probably would, the, the poplar was probably not our poplar trees, but a bush called a storax, which is a kind of a perfume shrub. Uh, it depends on your version whether it said almond or hazel or something else. Uh, the hazel's not real likely. It probably is something derivative very similar to our almonds. The last one there is probably plane trees, which is pretty close to our chestnuts. So anyway, there have been studies done with some of these that where some of the chemicals, I guess is the right way of saying it, some of the content of some of these um, sticks, branches, have been extracted and actually can be very beneficial for reproductive health and other health things. So it may be that there was something in the branches that Jacob knew would help their health, maybe even their reproductive health, and he wanted that in the water because he didn't just put the sticks out, did he? He put them in the water. Um, may have even encouraged their, their mating urges. Um, but we do know the results. And the results were that he saw offspring that were striped, speckled, and spotted. And we're going to get some more before we're done over in chapter 31. But Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban and put his own herds apart and did not put them with Laban's flock. So he's beginning to develop some that are Laban's within his own group and some that are his because of their coloration. And also, though, when he says, um, had them face the striped and all the black in the flock of Laban, that could have been the only place that could have been because the only blacked and striped that were Laban's were those ones that were three days' journey away. So I don't know if he says they're that way, look that way kind of a thing or what, but that's some of the things that Jacob is doing. And then his success continues. Whenever the stronger of the flock were mating in verse 41... Jacob would place the rods in the side of the flocks in the gutter so that they might mate by the rods. But when the flock was feeble, he did not put them in, so the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. Now this sounds like almost an impossible thing to sort out. Uh, let's see, which ones are mating today and try to manage that? But in this era, and even in our own experiences, um, like cattlemen have calves born in the fall, typically they'll try to arrange their flock so that this group will give birth in the fall, this group gives birth in the spring. The calves that make it through the winter can be hardier. And certainly they say with the <clears throat> raising of the lambs and the goats, that's a true statement. The ones that were born in the fall and lived through that first winter, they're a lot stronger critter come spring than the ones that only live through the summer and when they come up in the fall. So what they're saying here is in the fall mating season, he'd put these out. That's a way to look at this. I'm not saying it is the answer. And in the spring mating season, he would not. The end result, though, is, <clears throat> so Jacob, in verse 43, became exceedingly prosperous, had large flocks, and female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So <clears throat> as Jacob's flocks grow, <clears throat> it moves from him being a servant of Laban to him being a manager of his own flocks and some of Laban's flocks. And he became exceedingly wealthy. He had large flocks, so he's got a lot there, and to the point that he was bringing in f female and male servants, camels and donkeys. So he has developed now quite a prospering business based on these flocks that he has grown where he's taken offspring from Laban's herd and moved them over into his own and then Laban has his own portion of the offspring as well as the ones that were the original herd. Questions, comments, thoughts? I mean some of this does seem like a stretch uh, with regard to what we would say about reproductive science, what we know about DNA and all of those things, um, it, it is a bit of, um, you know, it makes you, 
Many would say that Jacob was operating out of um, old wives' tales or whatever, you know, just kind of superstitious kinds of things about if they made around these weeds or stalks, then this is what they're going to get. Um, <clears throat> we're going to get a little bit different picture before we're done, but any questions or comments so far? Yeah. Uh, I was not, but go ahead. It would show up at times, yep. Yeah, it, um, I mean, you're right, and I probably assumed that we would know something about the recessive genes and didn't plan on making a, a, a point of it, but it is absolutely a point. It, it reminds me of my own family. Ruth and I, neither one have blue eyes. But Jennifer has blue eyes, and her husband had blue eyes, and all of her kids have blue eyes. I mean, that's, so where did it, you know, it didn't, it, it isn't visible in Ruth and I, but it came out where, you know, I can tell you about five in the next generation down that all have blue eyes, even though Ruth and I didn't contribute that visibly to Jennifer's makeup. So, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, the other thing that should be said somewhere as we work our way through this, um, where did Jacob gain his knowledge? Well, what did he do at home before he left? He did not leave as a 20-year-old. We've already been through the fact he was significantly older than what most of us imagined when we read those stories in years past. So he had, a uh, for us, by the time he left, he already had a lifetime of experience with herds and flocks. and So he was not ignorant in what he was doing, and I think that, that does come out here. I mean, I think everything he did, he had seen something about it before and carried it forward. Um, so we find Jacob having used the knowledge that he had as well, but we're, we're going to get to another piece too that I think is important to pull out. Um, so let's go to chapter 31. I'm dry. Uh, but Jacob heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's and from what belonged to our father and made all this wealth. So what are they saying? Jacob's doing a great job, and he's worked that agreement with Laban, our father, pretty well. And he doesn't deserve what he's getting. He cheated us somehow. I don't know what he did, but somewhere along the way, he's taken what should have been ours through inheritance, through the family business, and made it his own. Jacob saw the attitude of Laban, and behold, it was not friendly toward him as formerly. Laban isn't as happy with his deal with Jacob as he once was. And so the Lord said to Jacob, this is not a new command, by the way. Back in the dream, he told him to return. But return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. So Jacob decides it's time for a family meeting. And he sent and called Rachel and Leah, those two, to his flock in the field. We're not having this meeting in your dad's house. We're going to get out here where just us is talking. And he said to them, I see your father's attitude that is not friendly toward me as formerly, but the God of my father has been with me. 
And so Jacob begins to testify here how God has been with him to his two wives. You know that I served your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages ten times over. However, God did not allow him to hurt me. And we're going to get more of the story here about Laban and Jacob and their agreement together than we were given in the previous chapter. If he spoke thus, meaning Laban, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth speckled. And if he spoke thus, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock brought forth striped. Then thus God has taken away your father's livestock and given them to me. So we see that Jacob is giving God credit for the way this has worked out. That it, he didn't say I was smart and out, out dealt your father. He says God provided this. Now, we can look at the scriptures and we really ought never be proud of anything we have. The scriptures say what do we have that God didn't give us? You know, if it's our intelligence, if it's our experiences in life, I mean, God, God controls all of that. But he says, God has given them to me. And it came about at the, when the, at the time when the flock were mating, I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream. And behold, the male goats which were mating were striped, speckled, and mottled. Then the angel of God said to me in the dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift now your eyes, lift up now your eyes and see that all the male goats which are mating are striped, speckled, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and so on. And so Jacob became wealthy and we could talk a long time correctly about Jacob managing the flock out of his experience and knowledge. But when we reach the point that Jacob desires to separate Rachel and Leah and say it's time to go, that's where this passage is headed, he doesn't say, look how smart I am and what I've done, let's get out of here now that I've got a lot. He says, God saw to it that Laban in his changes over and over and over of the deal were not effective in stopping me from gaining this herd from our agreement. And he said the agreement kept changing, but as the agreement would change, God changed the results of the deal. And so um, here is Jacob in the midst of Laban's sons being unhappy, and he's heard the rumors that he somehow was a, obtaining what should have been theirs through this agreement. Jacob recognizes that this deal didn't work out like Laban expected. What did Laban expect when he made the deal with Jacob? Who was going to be the one that grew super wealthy? Laban. Who grew wealthy? Jacob. What does Laban have now? He's got a weak flock. And Jacob's sitting over there with a very prosperous, healthy-looking flock. And no matter what kind of a change Laban tries to make, he tries to outsmart Jacob. How's it work out? Not so good. It, it doesn't change the way things are going. Who is Laban fighting against in his own mind? Who does Laban think he's fighting against? Jacob. This young whippersnapper, he wasn't that young, but this man that came into our family and married into it, and he's, uh, to use a metaphor, he's a goose laying golden eggs. I want him to lay eggs for me. And so he thinks all he has to do is control Jacob. And so he keeps altering the deal. But who is Laban really fighting against? God himself. Here's Jacob over there. I, 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 I don't know. It's hard for me not to put some imagery on Jacob. But my imagery has Jacob over there smiling, go, going, okay, you want to change the deal? I don't care. 
because who does Jacob recognizing is providing the pathway to growing the flocks? God himself. You want to change the deal? You're not bigger than God. Do what you want. Take your best shot. Let's see how it works out. And I, I can't help but make a connection with Laban's thought processes being offensive to God. Because here it is when Jacob says, I've paid my debt, I'm going. Laban says, I recognize you have prospered me. I really don't want that to quit. So what's Laban going after? Is he trying to honor God and honor the promise that's headed toward Jacob and God's intention on the planets? No. Laban wants himself to be prospered and honored and get stuff. And so he says, Jacob, I recognize that you've been prospered for God. As a matter of fact, I've divined it. And I think that's a piece of this story that's easily overlooked, but it's huge. Laban is not turning to Jehovah. Even though he gave Jehovah the credit for the prosperity that's come through Jacob, here he is trying to figure out what's going on by going out and getting some divination done of some sort. Also, once the deal is made, I mean, he could have come back to Jacob and said, wow, Jacob, you make good deals. But I've got to be honest with you, this isn't working out where we're both prospering. How can we figure this out so we both prosper? But no, no, he tried to outsmart Jacob for the prospering. And what's God's promise to Jacob? You're going to prosper. So, and the people that curse you or give you trouble, I'm going to curse them or give them trouble. So here is Laban out there trying to change the deal according to what we read in chapter 31 so that Jacob won't prosper so much, but Laban will. And the more he does that, the more it's clear that no, Jacob's going to be the one prospering and you are not. You know, this is even one of the fallacies that I think gets into the way humans interact with each other. And I can give you a couple of examples of that, but I'll just talk in general terms first of all. We kind of act like in this world that if that prospering, that if I'm going to prosper, then others are not. It's kind of like I want my share, but that means I have to take some of yours. We don't realize that we all can prosper together. Um, and, and, and out of that, we all probably prosper less as a whole than if we just said, you know, I'm going to figure out my way of doing things. You know, you figure your way out and we'll, we'll see how it turns out. But Laban is going at this like um, for him to do better, Jacob has to do less. Could God not have prospered both of them? But Jacob, or but Laban tries to do it through deals that he manipulates to his own benefit, he thought. And that just is not going to fare well um, for, for Laban. And so the end result is Jacob has an opportunity to testify to his two wives about God and what God has provided and how God has done it. And I think Jacob deserves a lot of credit for recognizing that. Was Jacob shrewd? Yeah, I think he was very shrewd. Was Jacob above cheating? No. That's how he found himself over there in Haran was he cheated his dad and his brother and neither one of them were very happy about it. Now it seems like Isaac got over it or at least recognized now Jacob's the child of the promise and so he embraced it to some extent. Um, does Jacob come by it naturally? Yes. He was taught it by his mom. We learn more from our parents than we might realize sometimes. But there's a change that occurs with Jacob. Was it a complete change? No. I think we're going to see more of the changing of Jacob by God's intervention later on. But the dream that he had on the way, he said, if you bring me back and if you 
you know, make, if you do what you said, God, including bringing me back to this land, then clearly you're my God. Now, it's kind of there's some if-thens in there, and that's an awkward thing to do with God. But nonetheless, Jacob, Jacob recognized there was something very special about that dream that he had on the way, and he began to recognize God in a different way, I do truly believe. And by the time we get here, Jacob is not hesitant to give God credit for his being prospered. And so we're going to come up on next time, we're going to see that Jacob indeed does make his way away from Laban, but it's not a clean departure by any stretch. Questions, comments? Yep. The supplanter. The supplanter, yep. Yeah, he did. Yeah, we're going to see, we're going to see that continue. Uh, supplanter, heel grabber, kind of the same thing. We're going to see that continue in Jacob's interactions with mankind, but also certainly with God himself. So that, that's all going to be lived out. I mean, that's who Jacob was, and that's a good point. Anything else? Well, it's typical when I pick a longer passage and I try to keep going so that I don't get, so I don't get done, I get done a little early. But that's where we are. So let me pray, and we'll, we'll dismiss. Father, we are who we are. Um, that's not an excuse. So many times, Lord, people say, well, that's just who I am. But who we are is the mixture of who we are and our uh, fleshly tendencies combined with your Holy Spirit that guides us through life. Uh, Lord, uh, as we saw Jacob give testimony to your role in his uh, accepting and receiving and enjoying the promises and his prosperity and and all of the things that you did there uh, while he was in Laban's presence. Lord, let us too recognize that we are not we are not the wise, you are. Uh, your ways are much higher than ours. That you love us even in, in the midst of some of our um, failings and fleshly tendencies. And you've given us all the blessings in the spirit, heavenly places that we might be uh, victorious in this life. Lord, lead us to victory through Jesus Christ and let us constantly give, your test, give our testimony of what you've done in our lives to those around us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.